0: Have you ever tossed a coin to decide something, settle a problem about which you couldn't make up your mind. Remember how eagerly you watched to see which side won heads or tails. Of course you wouldn't stake a life on the flip of a coin, but how about a man who stakes his soul, his very actions on the spinning of a silver coin because he was like that coin itself. He too had two sides two sides as distinct as night and day as good and evil meet the most bizarre criminal of all time a 20th century jackal and hyde, in crimes of two-face detective comics number 66 from 1937 bob kane and you're listening to heroes home base podcast episode 57
1: Hey guys, this is Mark.
0: This is Rob. Hey, this is Rich. What's going on, guys? Sorry. It, it's been a rough day. <laughs> the real question is, what are we drinking tonight, fellas? <laughs> a little Poland spring action on my end. A little Poland spring. Water. Water. <laughs> mm. Got me some whiskey wars going on here. And my uh, Father's Day ceramic uh, nice. stein. Yeah, Mr. Mazik, what's happening?
1: Well, I recently went to WinterCon, which is like yeah. the typically New York Comic Con is in October. WinterCon happens in December, but with everything that's going on with COVID, things got pushed back. So WinterCon was two weeks ago. So I went to that, and it's WinterCon Science WinterCon Comic Book and Science Expo. So there was only about five book dealers there. There's a lot of uh, guys from the cast of like aliens there's a cast from like you know terminator 2 there was uh two of the cast members from the warriors that were there uh there are lots of it's a giant sci-fi mm. kind of convention and there are some any guys track who did...
0: stuff you see any good trekkie stuff
1: no not really there was a few guys who did voiceovers for the transformer cartoon that were there. So uh, there were about five book dealers there. There were two that were really good. One that I went to. Um, I saw one of the guys that worked at zap comics there and I was able to find about seven of my iron fist. Nice. Nice.
0: It's, That's a find. It
1: was, yeah. It was, yeah. It was a really, really great find. I spent like 50 bucks and they were all 30% off. So that really helped. And so I was able to find seven of my key books that I was able to mark off my list so WinterCon was good. There were some. There was only really two. There was a lot of people dressed up as in cosplay, but there was only two really good costumes. Um, people dressed up. It was at the World Resorts Casino, over by JFK Airport here in Queens. And so I went to that. I was only there for about three hours. Give me bad.
0: some scale. Like, how would you compare like crowd size to New York?
1: Uh, probably this probably drew like three hundred people. Are you serious? Three
0: hundred people
1: but maybe 500
0: because wow. it was for 2
1: days. It wasn't it's not a very big con. It's in a ballroom. Um so on
0: scale of what we used to go to when we were kids is it like the Buck icon <laughs> or a little bit bigger than that?
1: Um it's a little bit lesser than that because Buck icon that's a jo- it's really book oriented yeah. and this is kind of sci-fi oriented also heavy so, um, but it was, you know, it was something to do for a couple of hours. So I was like going to WinterCon. It was just something to do for a couple of hours. And um, I was glad that I went. Next year, I don't think I'll go because this past weekend was Big Apple Con. And that's a very, very, very book heavy con, which I've never been to before. Um, it at? It's at the New Yorker Hotel, which is on, okay. we pass it on the way to Comic Con. We walk right, past it right. every year. So, it's on the corner of 8th Avenue and 34th Street. And that I've watched YouTube videos, reviews on that. And I really want to go to that one. So, next year, I think I'll skip WinterCon and go to Big AppleCon because they had a lot of great books from what I can see in the YouTube videos that happened uh, yesterday, Saturday.
0: Yesterday. So, um, price comparison is it about the same, same to get into yeah. both?
1: About nice. the same. So I think I'll do that um next year, but WinterCon happened and I got some really great key books and so I'm happy about that. Anything so is, that you
0: were going to get that you needed that you decided not to get?
1: There were some few Fantastic Four issues during the Jack Kirby days that I wanted. There, there was a, they had two of the Marvel premiere, or the first appearance of Scott Lang as Ant-Man, mm-hmm. but I am going to so many other cons this year that I wanted to kind of not do it all at it once, it. you know, and just kind of save it and yeah. i didn't really want to spend all the money that day so i'm just kind of waiting
0: it's good to save your money these days um <laughs> was the uh is the big apple con always this weekend or was that delayed because of COVID too
1: i think it's around this time
0: gotcha okay was winter con canceled in 2020 or in 21 yeah uh i think it was wasn't it i think it was like Yeah. like everything in new york i guess canned. i'm just I i guess i was surprised that it was pushed back so far because that's like Almost four months.
1: Yeah, I think it was canceled. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Well, Got what's your next on, on uh, what's next on Mark's uh, con travels?
1: Um, <laughs> is uh, the fa- I think fan you know everybody knows Wizard World. I think this yep. thing called Fan Expo. I think they bought out Wizard World because now it's instead of you know yeah. Wizard World Denver, it's now Fan Expo Denver. So okay. that's the next. That's Fourth of July weekend. So I already bought my plane ticket, and now I'm just waiting for them to post the hotels that are ne- that they've blocked off, you know, so that I can select my hotel room, and that's it. And then I'll be spending my most time uh, there and at Mile High because it's both, they're both happening in Denver. So I'll spend the day at Mile High, and then I'll go to my Denver Fan Expo, and then I will fly back home the 4th of July weekend. So, I'll be so there you there think you're going to spend
0: more day. money at uh, Mile High than you are at the actual con? <laughs>
1: um i don't know you know i'll like i said i'll pace myself i'll go to mile high first because i have some friends that live in denver so i'm gonna go hang out with them for i'll have dinner with them um after mile high and then i'll go to my expo and then if i see that the expo is whack or if it's not as book heavy as i thought i'm not finding really what i want then i will just make sure to leave early and go back to mile high Nice.
0: nice um are you gonna try to line up some interviews while you're out there We'll see. Oh, yeah. If I
1: see something that, you know. I, uh, Tickle strikes your fancy. Yeah, sure.
0: Then I'll do that. Okay, Mark, before, uh, what is on your con list, what is your number one book that you really need to get?
1: You like, know, I don't I have. know you've
0: got a few, but. There's really no. No priority? No,
1: no. My list is about
0: six pages long. <laughs> gotcha.
1: And, um, oh, I really want my Captain America's. Okay. And I have now about one, two, three, four uh, amazing Spider-Man books that i want.
0: Just from picking up that one wall book? Yeah. Nice.
1: Because that era is just the artwork is just so good. And that cover is just incredible.
0: Hell yeah. I'm excited for you, man. I don't think, how many, how many cons do you think you're going to go to this year? Uh,
1: Well, I've been to one, two, three, four, five, six. I'll probably go to seven
0: this year. Is that West New York wrapping it up at the end? Yeah, but nice. Baltimore is after New York. Okay. And so is Rhode Island. Baltimore is the one you're looking really forward to because after we talk to uh, Jeff at World's Greatest, that's going to be uh, Bob, like, probably... Hall, Bob Hall, too. Yeah. yeah. All right, Um, Rob, do we have any... Uh... I know we had Dr. Doug responded and uh, we had uh, a message sent to our Facebook. Uh, do you want to go over that stuff real quick? Kind of a follow-up from our last episode? Yeah, Dr. Doug had um, a lot of follow-up points <laughs> do you want me to start there yeah who was it that messaged uh, that messaged us i'm sorry i believe that mr antoine bush antoine bush rocking from our uh earlier days what did he say uh, let's see here i'm gonna give. do you want? i'll do uh, dr doug and then do you want to do antoine oh uh, let's just how long is antoine's this can't be that long It can't be that long uh it might Maybe some of the stuff will be answered in Doug's Antoine Bush. Uh, okay. The Batman, my favorite Batman movie of all time. I'd give it 92%. I love the take on this film. I want to nerd out on this with you guys. So yeah, Antoine Bush, listen to the last episode, Antoine. Thanks Antoine. <laughs> all right. What's Doug's follow-up? So I'm going to read some highlights here. Cause uh, Dr. Doug wrote a lot of additional things. Um, he kind of did some comparing specifically Batman and Jim Gordon and kind of how they were going about solving the Riddler crime. And he kind of compared it to uh, another well-known Hollywood movie, the fugitive. So kind of looking at Tommy Lee Jones character and Harrison Ford's character, but uh, some highlights here. He said the bigger issue is that Batman, the police mindset would be to solve who's killing these people and capture him. They would not be interested in trying to prove, unmask, whatever cover-up or conspiracy the killer is trying to expose. As they're solving each set of clues riddlers, the killer is leaving them, riddles, excuse me, the killer is leaving them, sure. They'd be analyzing and seeing how this can lead them to the killer, but it's not their primary objective. And they're not going to just sitting around only accepting the breadcrumbs the killer is leaving them. They're going to think beyond those clues to the bigger picture and any slip-ups that will lead them to his identity. Riddler's objective is important in that it by identifying what he's after, they can figure out who and or where he is. Uh, they would try to solve his stupid riddles, but they would also be looking beyond those to other things that could lead them to him. Where are the envelopes from that contain the messages to Batman? When he seals them, do any, any particles get captured? Was there a struggle at the murder scene that led something unintended Uh, being left behind on his videos is there sound in the background that tracks to the certain part of gotham so they can start to triangulate where he's based does riddler reference something that only a small subset of people would know something about the orphan subculture or something that track that tracks back to the wayne orphanage he was at is something excuse me is something else about his word choice or pattern of speech when riddler gets upset is there something he lets slip and how about using the Bat computer to analyze the voice patterns from each audio and video message? Or why wouldn't Bruce have been wearing his fancy contact lenses when he was in, when he was there in person to see if Riddler showed himself, and did show himself, and that footage could have been uh, processed in the Bat cave, give him some sense of what the man looked like? I think he was, upon further reflection, just really upset at the con, the consistent passive. Mm -hmm. presence of the police in particular, Gordon and Batman. And it was almost like there's nothing they could do except just wait for Riddler to send him the next thing, which I kind of agreed with. I kind of, after having some further conversation with him, I kind of wish they would have gone into the interrogation scene and then did a, um, uh, you know, a, a pan back in time, like see batman figure it all out like pull yeah. out the rug yeah. and then see the the map but i've already stopped it ahead of time and then go see him in the uh in the in was it blackgate is that where he was or was it arkham i can't whatever in oh, prison arkham, arkham it would have just been a little bit more um, playing on some of that, you know, great detective work. So I think Doug even downgraded it a little bit more. I think he was in like <laughs> a six or seven. Again, I think he was just, and I, I can clearly see it's the forensic psychiatrist in him. I think that's, what's making him upset. So he had I, lots of other things to say, but that's kind of a highlight. I did see that it's coming to HBO max. I think it was like April 17th or something like that. It sounds so, right. So not much longer. I, I don't know. I feel like this movie is just like another uh, a movie that you it just like resonates on you. I've been thinking about it quite a bit and thought about. Uh, I've been talking to our past guest Sean Patterson about it because we work together, and I think I don't think he's seen it yet. I think he's going to wait till HBO Max uh, drop and just trying to replay certain things in my head. And I definitely think it's sticking with me. Um, I don't think I'm going to move my grade up um, quite yet but I definitely want to see it again just to see. I am glad though, that there were a lot of detective aspects to it. I just think they should have taken it a little bit further. Kind of like the things you were just pointing out, like he should have figured out a lot more stuff and it would have just been like, (laughs) nobody can pull that shit on Batman. You know what I mean? Well, and I think it would have served his character well if he was able to kind of solve that. And I think they were on the track in the beginning of the movie, like with the thumb drive Mm-hmm. And, you know, just doing a little bit more like preemptive detective work as they got started, but then it was just like, all right, we got to wait for the next, the next thing next clue to drop. And I think I'm still keeping mine. I think I, what did I up mind to a, an eight? I think, I think yeah. I'm still pretty confident in an eight, but I'm kind of like what you're saying. I'd, I'd like to at least uh, watch it again to just, because I'd like to be able to focus a little bit more on some of the nuanced stuff. So So, Rich, what's been going on with you, man? Uh, Comic book-wise, quite a bit. Um, It's been pretty pathetic. I've been on vacation this week, so I've been trying to catch up on some things. And uh, I finally cataloged. I, I had probably three giant stacks of comics on my desk that I needed to box and catalog. And, I mean, shit that's been backpiled since we were in New York so i just have not had the time because you know with 40 41 boxes i gotta shift a whole bunch of stuff and i still got a lot more shifting to do but i did get all of the new 52 batman that we got and all the detective uh obviously i've been collecting a lot of swamp thing lately which you know i reference every time we talk um but i got a lot of stuff cleared off my desk so i'm i'm pretty happy with that i do have a lot of uh, moving around still left to do but now i have 42 boxes or i should say we have 42 boxes so yeah comic wise been working on that uh i've been doing a, a whole lot of reading uh right before i was on vacation i bought a lot of swamp thing the saga so like i think that's the fourth the fourth series of uh swamp thing and obviously how the more started on 20 so i bought one through 19. And I've been reading, 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 really enjoying it. So I think I'm up to like issue 10 now. I am no longer buying individual issues for the first series from the 70s. Uh, I might, if I if I come across some at the con, maybe put it on the list, you know, take a Mark Mazak list of six pages and you well, know, pick up a few issues font here of and 20, there. you know, <laughs> it's font right. size is a little large. So, I mean, I have... So essentially I had the first 37 of saga and I have issue 50 also. So I've got a, I've got a significant gap in there that I'll probably be picking up random issues here and there and, uh, stuff like that. So I have noticed, you know, going through, um, piles of books, some of the stuff that we have has gone up significantly and gone down. Some of the stuff's gone down, but for the most part, um, I need to just do a whole new inventory and get a new accurate number. So hopefully uh, we can do that here pretty soon, but that's pretty much it. So uh, as far as comics goes, I guess I can do my poll. Obviously we've had what two back-to-back guests. We've had our Batman review and I haven't really done Rich's Rich's poll segment. So, I mean, I'm just going to indicate, you know, what, what came out last and maybe add a couple things here and there. Um, Action Comics 1040. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more later, I guess. Uh, uh, Clark is still on War World. Uh, Batman 121. There's a new title that uh, Gib put in my box. It's, uh, I believe it's a six-part miniseries called Batman Killing Time. And I know Mark will be super excited. Tom King's writing it.
1: <laughs> His favorite. Um,
0: Tom Queen. Because <laughs> he's not the king um so uh house of slaughter number five i believe that wraps that uh series so uh something is killing the children will return um maybe the end of this month uh if not it'll be in april uh red devil's reign five of six really enjoying that one more to go on that uh chip Zdarsky. really good interaction with the kingpin and daredevil and i'm just i just i don't know I really I'm really digging. I don't know what direction we're going with Daredevil as of right now. I haven't really done the research on it, but uh, he did do that, you know, restarted at number one and number three came out. I just haven't read it yet, Um, but I don't think he's going to stay on that because there's other news regarding that. Um, Nice House on the Lake returned after a short hiatus. Number seven came out. I feel like these books that are so detailed and filled with so many random characters that I feel like now that it's been on a hiatus, I got to go back and reread the whole damn thing. So I feel kind of lost. I'm kind of forgetting some of the characters, but uh, artwork is still amazing. i um, really anxious to see how this one, you know, wraps up. Obviously, Swamp Thing has not been out for a while. That's another book that went on hiatus because it was supposed to be a 10-issue miniseries and it got extended to 16 issues. I believe that's coming out next month. It's picking up issue 11 uh, ranvi the writers just uh it is it was you know a pleasant surprise i'm really digging that book um so my highlight book this week was batman superman batman superman world's finest number one written by mr mark wade really cool um I'll definitely have to give you that one, uh, Rob. It's I saw a teaser of it. I can't remember what issue I read it in, but it it's got to be a couple months ago when they had like, you know, a solicit at the end of a comic. so it it was really, really good. Um so speaking of going backwards, I sent you guys some information for the show. The reason why I'm saying I don't know what is going on with Daredevil is because Chip Zdarsky was just named the new writer of Batman. So Chip Zdarsky coming over from Marvel to write the Batman book after Joshua Williamson gets off of it. And Humanis is going to do the art, so that's going to be exciting. So it sucks because I love his run on Daredevil. I don't know where it's going, but it's going to be awesome to have him on the Batman title. So is he so... Who's on it now? Uh, Joshua Williamson is on it right now. Is he since Tiny-in? Yeah, since out? James Tiny-in, yeah. Gotcha. So uh, he picked up 118, and I think, what I say, 121 came out. So is he just a stopgap? So uh, temporary... Yeah, I think so. Kind of like a fill-in. So gotcha. as long as it ain't Tom King again, I'm good. Hmm. So that is Rich's pull for episode 57. 57. <laughs> Well, real quick, um, I'll do a quick little uh, diagnostic uh, assessment. I've been trying to do this probably for the last three or four episodes now, but we've just been, as you just mentioned, had a lot of really good guests and everything Batman the last time. Um, So real quick. So this book from the 30s, so the first appearance of Two-Face, um, definitely could tell uh, Bob Kane was drawing some inspiration from uh, Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde,
1: because that's right. on
0: the title page. You could see uh, Harvey reading that book. <laughs> um, so, real quick, the origin story of Two Face is actually pretty well known. So, he's this handsome DA and he's opening the case against the state versus boss Maroney. Um and he does have acid thrown on his face. Um, but you don't really get the sense that there's any kind of identity crisis, uh, right. any type of turmoil with this character. But interestingly enough, uh, Mark, do you happen to know the full name of Gotham's DA? No. Any guesses? Harvey Demetrius Dent. I don't know. <laughs> you have that one third of the way correct. <laughs> No, How about half. <laughs> so it was actually Harvey Kent, K E N T, hmm. and for some unknown reason, <laughs> they that. wanted to change that name. Why do you think, Mister Mazik? Uh-huh. Maybe because Superman's last name is cast? All right, they Ken. didn't want any. They didn't want any uh, associations or confusions with uh, the man from Metropolis. So it was changed, obviously, from Kent to Dent, but I, I knew that and I forgot about it. So anyway, the uh, I didn't know that and I uh, didn't know it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so the easy kind of initial <clears throat> diagnosis, just based on some of the things I know about the character, I was thinking, okay, do we have like multiple personality? Which the the clinical criteria for that or the clinical name is dissociative identity disorder. But I wasn't really getting anything um, from this particular issue so his origin story that he was at any way like having, you know blackouts or dissociating and having different like personas. It seems like he is just a very conflicted person, but he's aware of this evil side and this law-abiding side at all times. So the other thing I went to was, all right, clearly this is a trauma, like a medical trauma. He had acid thrown on his face and clearly he is psychologically troubled afterwards. Uh, But interestingly enough, we go with acute stress disorder versus post-traumatic stress disorder. And a distinct difference between those two is the duration. So you can have acute stress disorder starting right after the experience uh, at least three days and up to one month. And as soon as it goes over one month, you're looking at post-traumatic stress disorder. And interestingly enough in 19, what did I say? 38. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Almost like they knew this is from, this is from uh, the second page, like the sixth panel time heals all wounds. And one month later, Hmm. so he had bandages on his face and a lot of um harvey's struggles really occurred after the the month after the incident so he tried to get some medical treatment and there was nothing that they could do for him so not acute stress so i definitely think um post-traumatic stress disorder is what i'm going with at least for now um and again i think this is kind of the first no no multiple personality yet i'm not really getting that vibe man um no, but he seems very calculated, right? So if, if this is like multiple personality, like um, there's usually a primary persona or personality. And sometimes that primary is usually aware of some of the other ones, or it could be unaware, right? So, mm-hmm. but the thing of it is, is that he's very calculated. Like he is flipping a coin to decide something. So that's very, um, I guess, calculated behavior and he knows what he's going to do depending on, you know, which side lands up. Right. So it's not like, right. Oh, I guess I'm going to dissociate into the evil side. And then I'll, I because typically, you know, with a dissociation there, it's like, there's a lot of time loss. Like you don't necessarily know what your quote alter is doing. Um, it's a tricky diagnosis. It's still kind of, Cari almost seems to always know what both sides are doing. Right, right. The thing with dissociative identity disorder is it's still debated whether it's a thing. So um, yeah. it's a very difficult thing to prove. Um, and gotcha. actually, um, it's been very sensationalized. So there's usually some other things going on. But that's kind of where I landed on my home base assessment. So at least nice. kind of a first take on Two-Face. And obviously as the character has developed later in his history, there's some other things going on. And I think um, I might even take a, a look back at uh, Mr. Jenkins' work with Jacqueline Hyde, Batman, which I think is a little bit more consistent with a PTSD um, take. But yeah, that's my take, gentlemen. Sweet. Any uh, reveals of your next... Home-based assessment? Nope. I think you should evaluate Mark Mazick. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so I really want to discuss with you fellas, um, every time we have a guest on, one of our re- uh, you know, routine questions that we ask is, what is the current state of comics? And I think that because we do this podcast, I feel it's important to discuss you know, the current state of comics. And I guess I, I ran across an article the other day and it got me really thinking. And I know I'm the only one that currently collects modern stuff. And uh, so I, I did some research and I pulled three different articles and I kind of want to just go over some bullet points of them and then we can have a dialogue about it. Um, some backs, some backstory here. It's just basically about Superman. And I think, Uh, the two of you will agree. I've said multiple times on the show recently and in the past that the Superman books are kind of shit. When did they go to shit? So here comes the context. So Bendis came on and relaunched Peter Tomasi was writing Superman And Dan Juergens was uh, on action comics or it could have been the other way around, but Dan Juergens and Peter Tomasi were writing the Superman books when rebirth happened and they transitioned. I want to say it was action. I can't quite remember. Um, But one of them was really centered around the family. So Lois Clark and their son, John, who was probably around like eight years old, 10 at the most. And it was kind of like the Superman family book. And it was awesome. And I know I picked that on one of our previous episodes, about when you know they went to the sightseeing in washington dc so it was like really cool little stories so bendis signed on with dc and took over the books re, re basically relaunched it he was there uh so i think he took over right after action 1000 and i gave it a shot i had my issues with it and i absolutely hated what he did with the book both books and he basically sent john away with um jorel there was there was a story arc where jorel was still alive and took john into space to do some family bonding bullshit or whatever and he aged him up to about 17 years old and then he launched like the legion of superheroes story um, so john comes back and he's aged to 17 years old and then recently This past summer, they completely cut the Superman title and changed it to Superman, Son of Kal-El, and I know I've referenced in my poll segments lately that Superman is off on War World, fighting Mongol, freeing slaves of that planet, and John is acting Superman of Earth, and... I never I never so I never had Gib add that this, this book to my poll. Like I just, you know, I, I wasn't really feeling it because I haven't been feeling the Superman books for a while. So I came across an article and it basically said who's the true Superman? Is it John or is it Clark? And it just got me frustrated because I just think that Clark is always going to be Superman. So I pulled a couple articles. Did you guys want to say anything before I go on? I know I just rambled quite a bit. No, I'm good. Mm-mm. So I I got a couple articles from um, comic book revolution, and there's one from bounding into comics. And then there's an article from Washington times. I'm not going to read it. All of the notes that I I put together for you guys, I'm just going to read some of the highlights. I kind of went through them today to try to break it down. So this one was from bounding or comic book revolution from November 17th, 21. And this is kind of an opinion piece. And, this guy uh, is more of a Batman fan. He's not really a Superman fan, but I think that what he says at the end is really profound, and it got me really upset and kind of vindicated at the same time because I could tell somebody who's not really a big Superman fan kind of feels the same way as I do. So here's some of the highlights. So the fact that DC Comics is circling the drain due to years of bad decisions ever since Flashpoint back in 2011 it has been a decade of futile for DC Comics as Marvel has repeatedly kicked them in the teeth every month in the sales charts, which I have to agree with that. Uh, DC Comics sees engaging in a pandering publicity stunt as a way to gain a pat on the head from the mainstream media and hopefully that, that attention will lead to increased sales. LGBTQ representation has been a popular talking point in recent years, DC Comics clearly thought that trying to cash in on this trend would would be beneficial to their sales numbers. However, at some point, percentages do matter. On February 23rd, 21, Gallup released an in-depth poll covering the LGBT population in America and 3.1% of Americans self-identify as bisexual. I would imagine that many people would be shocked at the small percentage of the group given the exposure over the past few years. Do I think that DC Comics is engaging in honest creativity with the retconning of John's sexuality? Of course not. DC Comics is a corporation that exists to do one thing and one thing only, make money. DC Comics is absolutely doing this as a publicity stunt with the hopes that it leads to increased sales to think otherwise would be utterly naive. Of course, this is not the first time a comic company has done this with established characters. Tim Drake, who was who appeared in Batman back in 1989, had an established 30-year history of being a straight man. And the fact that DC has had to know or should have known that a large percentage of readers would reject John being made bisexual as being completely inconsistent with how John Kent had been written and presented ever since he debuted in Superman number two back in 2015 taking characters with a long established histories and, and shoving them into a radically different role is always going to lead to pushback from readers. And the pushback is unnecessary and counterproductive for comic book publishers. There is no financial upside going to war with your readers. A look at the sales numbers of manga versus American comic books would clearly demonstrate this fact. He goes on to say that there's three solutions and I won't, I'll try to keep this short. Like, you know, make, you know, make new characters and, and represent them as bisexual. The second one would be is rejuvenate existing characters and make them bisexual and make them the focal point. And then the other one was to use, you know, the multiverse to release miniseries is to te- basically test the waters to see if people would buy it. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's not good. So the numbers here say that in September 21, sales charts show that Superman, Son of Kal-El number 3, sold a mere 34,000 units. And then and we don't I've, even know if that's how many were sold. That's just how many were ordered at Comic-Con. Right. Labs, yeah? So, in a, yeah, it says 34,000 units were actually, uh, we don't know how many were actually purchased. So there was another article where Tom Taylor, and don't get me wrong, I love Tom Taylor. I think he did an amazing job with Injustice. He wrote The Deceased Books. Um, He's doing the Dark Ages and Marvel. I haven't read those, but I know they're pretty good. And he's doing Nightwing right now. And I really, I I really enjoy the Nightwing book because it was to the point where it was trash, too, until he kind of gave it a shot in the arm. So he's a very talented writer. Um, But he goes on like Bounty and Comics reported like three different times, basically the same article. But he basically was defending the book. And went on like a 15 tweet thread attempting to, you know, say that it was doing well and this and that, got in arguments about it, but he nobody, neither him nor DC released what the actual sales numbers were. And there was one where it basically said he confused his placement, the book's placement in the in the sales charts with the actual issue number, which is pretty embarrassing. Well, especially so, if you go on a 15 rant tweet. Right. So I don't know. I, I was talking to um, Sean Patterson a couple days ago um, and we've had him on the show and I was just saying like I really think representation is very important in comics. I do because we all read these for the fun of it. We read it for the fantasy of it and each and every one of us want to see ourselves in the characters that we're reading in the comic book. I mean I think we all agree on that. So I definitely think that representation is very important i just think that this is completely ingenuous and i think that you know if i was somebody who identified this way i'd be kind of upset but like this wasn't what the character was before so i don't know like i can't speak for that so the last thing that i'll kind of highlight and then we can kind of go over go over some stuff is um dc comics and marvel are not in a good shape despite what people like taylor will try and convey DC comic publisher Jim Lee even admitted a significant portion of their of their publishing line was losing money. Lee revealed in 2020 that he said we are reducing the size of the slate but it but it it's about looking at everything and looking at the bottom 20%. 25% of the line that that wasn't breaking even or was even losing money. This kind of gives you kind of an understanding the sales numbers is only a fraction of what previous Superman reboots Sold during the debut months. Superman number one sold 133,700 copies in 2018. Superman rebirth number one sold 118,434 copies, and Superman number one sold 105,380 copies back in 2016. And then when Bendis relaunched it, it sold 118,376 copies in twenty. And then uh, Superman Son of Kala has gradually d- declined since July. Comicron said the third issue sold only 34,000 copies in September, making it the 77th best-selling comic that month. I wonder if Jim
1: Lee ever wishes he just would have stayed an artist.
0: Right? Honestly. Like, I don't even know if he's doing any, like, big books lately. He just does covers and variant covers and stuff like that. So, I I don't know. It makes me upset because... I mean, there's even other stuff in here because I've read like Superman and the Authority, which was Grant Morrison. It was like a four part series and it was horrible. Like Superman and the Authority number three sold thirty one thousand units and action comics right now. Ten thirty five. So this is a couple behind sold only twenty eight thousand units like this is action comics, like the longest running comic book, like superhero comic book ever is only putting out twenty eight thousand units. There's simply no good. This is the part that I was saying. Like this, like really hurt me. But at the same time, it, like other people are getting it. It says there's simply no good news to be found anywhere for the Superman franchise. I do not see how DC Comics is on the right course with the Superman franchise. I see no path to sales success under DC Comics' current direction with this franchise, and that f-ing sucks. Like that hurts. So. I know i just threw up a whole bunch of information but i you know i kind of wanted to be prepared i kind of wanted to you know have a dialogue with you guys and you know we really don't try to we really don't like try to we don't po- talk politics on the show and i feel like you know it's never been that way i think but pol- you know un- understandably politics you know are a part of every single everyday life and stuff and I just I don't know if I want to say this is like a political stunt but it just feels that way and I mean sales seem to suggest that you know people aren't buying it I don't know it's concerning I guess so what are your thoughts Rob so a few thoughts here um I guess I'm just reminded uh, I go back to this often Paul Jenkins saying you know let the storytellers tell the story yeah, uh, focus on good writing. Focus on good stories, and it just seems like <sighs> numerous times, um, or oh, I guess to the, to cite your article over the past decade, DC has gone back to the drawing board, and it sounds like they just keep making the situation worse. Yeah, and it's like. <laughs> I mean, you have a better perception than I do because you're reading this stuff. But to me, it's like on the outside looking in, if you're not getting sales numbers, that means you're doing something wrong. Like yeah. you're doing something wrong. So why don't I mean, I, I don't know if they've done this, but it's like, why doesn't DC ask their fan base what they want?
1: Like, well, does and anybody
0: want these stories. Well, like, that's that's kind of like one of his solutions was use the multiverse. That's why you test your waters with miniseries. Like you don't you don't completely cancel a long running title to Mm. then just completely retcon the other character and to replace Superman. Like he's acting Superman of earth right now. Well, sure. Like, I guess for me, so let's, I'll address like the LGBTQ stuff. So I do think I agree with you that representation is important and that, you know, everybody wants to see themselves on the pages. Everybody wants to relate to the characters and the stories that they read. Um one hundred percent I do think I mean I can say something to the Tim Drake stance. Like I know a number of folks that have come out in their 30s or 40s. So I mean, you could make a case that, you know, having him have a long-standing, you know, long-standing character development as a straight guy, and then coming out as what, is he as bisexual as that we said? Uh yeah. So I mean, I think you could make a case where that could be relatable, but I think here's where the problem is. I think that needs to be long-term genuine storytelling over time that needs to transcend new writers that come in. Like you want to have certain directions if it's a, you know, established character, right? If you want to make something like that happen in a mainstream main universe character, I think that is, again, it's almost like they don't care for any continuity or, consistent character writing and that just shows shitty storytelling. But I do think I like the idea of using the multiverse. I think, you know, you can, you have endless possibilities there. Why not tap those waters? Um, I think, you know, maybe in a mini series, an obscure character might work well, but again, I think there's some value in seeing some representation in mainstream characters. I think that, you know, sometimes that would be good. The concern I have is this would, this would kind of tell me if this is a genuine, um, attempt or if this is like a political you know stunt is there representation in the creative process right like not if it you know maybe it's not the main writer but are there you know is there lgbtq representation you know storyboarding this out long planning you know storytelling for the characters because i think that's where representation really matters and that's going to help you tell more genuine stories you know i think you're just you're you're losing it if it's you know A bunch of heterosexual people trying to write lgbt stories you know so i think based on how it's been described it sounds like they're trying to you know the law and order approach ripped from the headlines you know and you know do readers even want this so that's those are some of my points mark what you got man
1: i'm wondering if you know if they're looking for sales or try to you know boost things why not go back to what works like for example why can't they get Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee to do a book yeah because that would sell yeah you know why can't they do Jim Lee and somebody else why can't they do you know why can't they go back to hit hit teams like a writer and artist combination and go to them and have them create
0: yeah. a new story I agree I just think that uh it was just so much fun to read the Superman books back when this whole thing started and it's like I was excited about Bendis coming cuz you know he was a long standing Marvel guy coming over and I was excited to see what he did and it didn't take long for me to absolutely f-ing hate it and just I don't know like it's just not working and I I feel like this is just and like to reference your point Rob like I do think I don't know if Tom Taylor is completely genuine with this like at all because he made the comments to IGN. I didn't reference this one, but he made this article or made this statement in an IGN interview. Mr. Taylor said the question for John and for our creative team is what should, what should a new Superman fight for today? Can a 17 year old battle giant robots while ignoring the climate crisis? Of course not. He added, can someone with super sight and super hearing ignore injustices beyond his borders? Can he ignore the plight of asylum seekers? And I find it creating another straight white savior would be a real opportunity missed. I just think that's completely politically motivated, not genuine good storytelling, whether you agree with those statements or not, like whether that's something that you agree with politically or not. I just don't think that that's genuine at all. And it's well, like, and again, how many I think times that- have we said like, give me good stories, leave your politics at the door and this is this is an outlet for me to escape real life. I don't want well, to escape real life and then go right back to what I have to deal with on every day. So, age. Rich, I, let me push back just a bit. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with, because I think comics as well as artistic expression is a place to, you know, speak truth to power, so to speak. So I do think you can use the power of the characters, the power of the creative process, you know, to put a middle finger on some of the things that we wrestle with in real life, be it a political issue or not. The issue I think is, is what is your intention in tackling Superman battling uh, the migrant crisis or Superman battling, you know, the climate crisis? Like, is it because you want to pander to people that uh, like follow that ideology or that political persuasion? That's one thing, Or do you want to actually tell genuine stories to bring about the urgency of those issues, whether you, what, you know, agree or not, or indifferent, I think it comes down to what's your intention, because I I don't think, I do think comic books and artists and musicians, and, you know, it's part of their job to shine a light on some things and put a different perspective on it. But it's like, if it was, here's my thing. If it was genuine, the stories would reflect that. And yeah. it sounds like that's not. Happening. Well, and it got me thinking about because I've been listening to tell him, Steve, Dave, the podcast with Brian Johnson, Walt and uh, Q from Impractical Jokers. And Q's the only one that Walt's not even collecting comics right now. And Q's the only one that's been reading it. And he says it's a struggle to read modern stuff because it feels like the writers are just a mouthpiece for their own agenda and their own little niche group that not everybody identifies with and it just sucks dude it's just like i just want to have fun reading my books and i want to watch superman save the day and it's i i was really thinking today when we before we're getting on is like could there be a time where dc could fold and i don't have these characters like could that be a possibility and it's like Am I naive to think that these characters will go on forever? I don't know. Like, if it's not a Batman book at DC, it ain't shit. Like, I know, like, I don't know if I said that already, but it is Batman, Batman, Batman. Like, it's funny. I think of the Lego Batman, like the DC, the house that Batman built. Like, it's DC, the, ba- the house that Batman continues to hold up on his shoulders. Like... Every new title, every new miniseries is just Batman. It's like none of their other characters exist. The Justice League. They're they are seriously getting ready to kill off the main characters of the Justice League and replace them with Superman's going to be replaced by his son. Batman's going to be replaced by uh, Lucius Fox's son. And I don't even know who wonder woman's going to be replaced with it's just like they can't even sell the justice league book man and uh, uh, let me uh, i can tell you why because bendis is writing it it's like bendis doesn't know any of these characters at dc so well let's get our marvel guy in here mark what do you think what do you think about some of this representation stuff like i mean
1: i think it's cool so long as it's done organically and that it's not you know we do read comics because we want to have some form of release and escape so i don't think it should 100 reflect what's going on in the real world sure maybe just a little bit yeah but not a lot and you just want to see what a character that may be lgbt kind of what they go through in the superhero world or you know kind of having give a thought bubble thinking having them think something that you would think Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that that should be your main go-to. Oh, well, let's just pick this and see if it get. You know, I don't think that that should be because it's not easy, and and things haven't always been how they are now. Things aren't always, and things aren't even are aren't great, but they're a lot better than what they were thirty and forty years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't think you should pick it just because it's a hot button topic, or you know, let it happen organically and thoughtfully.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm yeah i just wonder like again it comes down to your intentions like is it all right we need to have a token gay person or we need to have a token bisexual or gender queer person
1: and that but brings then, me i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you no, go ahead go ahead mark that brings me back to the falcon when the fa- only reason why the falcon joined the avengers was because the government placed an affirmative action standard standard on the avengers and captain america went to and it's in the panel. Captain America went to Falcon, was like, "Listen, could you please just do this as a personal favor to me? Because otherwise, they're going to restrict our Avengers' authority our privilege. And so, would you please do this?" And, he, and Falcon was like, "I don't want to be the token black guy." He says that in the comic. I don't want to be a token. <laughs> and he joined the Avengers. He's probably in four or five, four or five issues. He has one of the shortest memberships. Really? He went on to become a reserve member for many years. So you see him throughout. And if when called upon, he's there. He's been a great reserve member, but he was only asked to join to fill a quota. And so even the times when he was an Avenger, you see his thought bubble when, you know, Wonder Man would say, hey, you know, Falcon, chase after him. He's like, yes, Massa. Because it's like, kind oh, of damn. like his, you know, and it's just like, okay, I don't really mm-hmm. want to be doing this. And these guys, I'm only black guy on this team. All the white guys are telling me what to do. It's like, uh, even damn. though the white men, on the, they weren't thinking that, but that's just kind of how he took it. Because he wasn't genuinely sought after.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's so, cult,
1: eh? you know, and so that kind of is that was reflective of the time. And so that kind of played out, but that that's why I think it's super vital. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that's super relevant, Mark. I think it just, it really speaks to the point I made earlier about like, you need to have representation in the creative process. Like, Hey, is this, you know, like, is this Genuine, what a straight person organic. would think or, no that's not what this is like so i don't know i'm 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 just, it needs to be genuine it needs to be organic i thought one of the best things that dc did this year was bring back the milestone line like have all those african-american characters come back to comics like i thought that was the coolest that was probably my favorite episode of that robert kirchman's secret history of comics was when they talked about the milestone guys and how they wanted to see representation with African-Americans in comic books. So they went and did their thing. And then it was awesome that DC basically created a banner underneath their publishing label for them to do it. And I thought it was cool that they brought that, those books back. And I mean, I've read a few of them and they're good, man. And it's just, I guess, Rich, like you've read some of the Jonathan Kent stuff, like mm-hmm. do they make the fact that he's bisexual, like a keynote part of his character or is that part of just, is it in the background? Like that's what also I think is evidence of a genuine story. Like if, if it's token, then you make it this huge issue and it's like, he's only a bisexual man. I have, I have read crossovers with um his Nightwing books. Like I said, I have not read, Any of the son of Kal-El books because like I was stupid and was waiting for when Superman coming and I didn't realize at first that they had cut the title for this and I haven't read a single issue of it because like I was I was going to buy it and I'm just like the books have not been that good and I really don't want to add anything else to my poll that I'm not really digging right now. So I haven't read any of the books. I did read a crossover last month in the Nightwing book where Jonathan's in it and his his boyfriend is in it uh, like a a, like a couple panels. And that was it. So, I mean, I don't know. Gotcha. Um, So I don't Superman is Clark Kent from Kal-El from Krypton. Like write some good stories and get me interested in wanting me to buy the book. Don't play games with me but they've been doing this shit since forever. They killed him off. They brought him back. Like, it's just, it's like, what's the new gimmick? And now the justice league is going to die and they're going to do another crisis book again. And it's just like, when is this bullshit going to end? Well, just it, it might be coming to an end to your earlier point. So I hope they get their brains out of their ass. And I'm just, I find myself being more and more like Mr. Mazik here. Like I get excited reading comics from the seventies, in the eighties at this point, because there's only a handful of independents right now that I really will read first when I get a stack. And if all I, it's just, I'm just frustrated as a comic collector. Like it hurts. It hurts to not be excited to read the books. It almost feels like a chore, I guess. Well, but so, what a golden opportunity the last two and a half years has presented you. Like how about you start inspiring some people? I mean, shit. And I just, it's, I don't know. I really don't like talking negative on the show cause I really enjoy doing the show with you guys. And I really love talking about our passion and it's just, I think DC's not doing good shit right now and it's, it shows in their sales. And I think when rebirth took off, like they were, they were back on top for, for a few and then it just, I don't know. Then I got quote just... cool creative again. <laughs> So I don't know. I I really appreciate you guys letting me, you know, vomit other people's articles all over the podcast, but I felt it was kind of relevant and it needed to be discussed because I think the current state of DC comics at least is not looking so bright and I wish they would just make really good creative decisions. And I just don't think they're doing that right now. So anything else? I think you covered it, man. It was a good conversation. Uh, feel free to shoot us an email. Tell us if we're way off or if you agree or di- disagree, and uh, or shoot us a comment on Facebook. But um, another good episode, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to bag your board. This is Rich. This is Mark. This is Rob. Um, again, as Rich said, you know, shoot us an email. Here's home base, um, a Gmail. You can hit us up on our Facebook page. Here's home base podcast. Uh, you can leave a comment there with the uh, underneath the episode link. Uh, You know, also, you know, if there's some things that you want us to talk about on the podcast in future episodes, uh, we'll be happy to take a look at that looking to kind of revamp our schedule and and try to shore up some segments here. So we always appreciate you listening and uh, taking the time. Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting this RMR production. And you're listening to Heroes Homebase Podcast, episode 58. 57. Mark, you take it away. I'll bring up the anchor. Well, I... Introduce yourself. (laughs) Guys, it's Mark,
1: and I am on my Comic-Con... What
0: are you talking about? We're doing our intros.
1: We... Oh. (laughs) I'm <laughs>